What I do for my clients is I help them to get clients and make money. I separate out those two things because you would think that, well, if you're getting clients, you're then automatically making money, but not necessarily. If your prices aren't right, if you're not priced for profit, you're not necessarily going to make money. I believe that in a small business, the most important skill to master is client and customer acquisition. And without having that solidly in place, then nothing else works. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Hey, everybody. This is Gordon Henry at Winning on Main Street, the podcast bringing you actionable insights for small business owners. And this week, you get to meet Bernadette Doyle. Bernadette helps coaches, consultants, therapists, trainers, and healers get more clients. She's been doing this for over 25 years and helps people, in her words, crack the code on attracting new clients. But she's got quite a personal journey too, and we're gonna share that with you. After the birth of her first son, she found her own success had become kind of an anchor. Her words, freedom had become a prison, and she was working around the clock, the model was unsustainable, and soon after she switched to an online model, found herself freed from her constraints, and by packaging her expertise into products and programs, connecting with her customers by teleconference webinar, she doubled her income in her first year as a new mother, all while being able to spend more time with her family. So we're gonna tell you all about that and how it plays into hopefully your own ability to change your model and achieve better success. Welcome Bernadette. Thank you for having me, I'm delighted to be here. It's great to, great to have you. And as folks may notice, if they're American listeners, you have a bit of an accent. So you're in Belfast today, right? I'm in Belfast. My accent isn't from Belfast because I was born in England and grew up ah, there. Okay. Yeah, I've been, in, I've been in Ireland since 2004. Very nice. Okay. And how's the weather in Belfast today? Well, most days, you the answer to that question is it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we've not, we're not disappointed by that. Yeah, we're being consistent. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, you know, here, here in the States, you know, it's spring and summer. So most places have, you know, some sunny days for change. We've had a long winter, but it's starting to get warm here. So that's nice for us. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you do for your clients and how you do it. What I do for my clients is I help them to get clients and make money. Now, I, I separate out those two things because you would think that, well, if you're getting clients, you're then automatically making money, but not necessarily. If your prices aren't right, if you're not priced for profit, you're not necessarily going to make money. But after 25 years of doing this, that those are, those are the results that people get from working with me. I believe that in a small business, the most important skill to master is client and customer acquisition. Those are, those, that's, that's just critical. And without having that solidly in place, then nothing else works. And so I think it's the most important skill and I love focusing on it. Yeah, that's great. And your niche, if I can call it, it's a pretty big niche, but your niche tends to be people who are more like consultants, trainers, uh, who work with other, uh, who work with clients, but not have a physical product. How do you find that particular niche? I think it found me. I, when I started out, I was working as a trainer for corporates and I was teaching cold calling and I was basically showing them how to open up opportunities and create sales opportunities. 
And I started to get a lot of people coming to those trainings, although they were aimed at corporates, people who were self-employed, working as consultants. And there was one particular guy that really sticks in my mind. And he just had this look of sort of fear and desperation in his eye. And uh, he had a family and he'd given, he'd moved from corporate. He had his own business. He was working as a consultant and he just wasn't bringing in enough um, money from his business. And so he was facing feeling like a failure, that he'd let his family down, that he hadn't figured this out. And he came to me to learn my cold calling techniques. And my heart just went right out to him. And I was like, I know how to get you from where you are to all the clients you want. And you need to know more than how to do cold calls. You need to know how to position yourself so people see you as an expert and they're going to come to you. And I'm going to, I know, know you need to learn how to how to sell what you're actually offering. And I realized that he wasn't going to get all of that in that one day training. And so he, he, it was that conversation prompted me to create my first product, which was called How to Become a Client Magnet. He was in my mind very much as I created that program, him and people like him. Now, generating clients these days, in my mind, you know, seems to be largely about, you know, building an online reputation, a great web presence, spending the money on lead gen, investing in keyword strategy. Is that how you see it or you have a different, a different way of doing this? I, I can help people get clients without doing any of those things. And I think I know that that is perceived wisdom, what you've just said, but I actually think for the for the types of business I help, which are consultants, like, like someone who's working from home, a lot of people who've been forced into this situation, if you like, because of COVID, that they're now having to set themselves up as a consultant and get paid for their expertise. They haven't got time to go and build a big audience or do keyword strategies or paid ads or any of the other things you mentioned. They need to get their next paying client ASAP. And so what I do is I'll, I'll show them how to take what they've already got in place. So their own skill set, their own, their existing network, um, their existing reputation. How can they leverage that to get them connected with their next paying client? So I actually help people by taking things off their plate rather than giving them more things to do. And the reason that's important is because for many people, there's a lot of fear around selling. And so to a new consultant, then they would, they're quite happy doing the busy work of, oh, let me go and do some keyword research because you get the dopamine payoff of like, oh, well, I checked something off my to-do list. But if you carry on doing that work, it, that is not the work that's necessarily going to lead to paying clients. So I'm known for a bit of tough love where I really kind of get people focused on those things. Okay. So can you give us one or two of the keys to how you help people grow their client list, even without all those online strategies yeah. I mentioned, what are, what are maybe number one or two? Yeah. So uh, there's an exercise I give to people when they first start working with me that we call mining for gold. And what I basically say is like, make a list of people that you're already connected to people in your network that you think might be in the area of people who, you know, could buy your product at some point down the line. But don't attempt to sell to those people. Reach out to them and set up a conversation. And, and often it's like, hey, I'm looking, can you help me? I'm thinking about creating something that will help you know, people who have this problem to achieve this result. So fill in the blanks as necessary. And I was wondering if you'd give me some feedback. And so that the, the goal here is not to sort of set up a sales conversation under the guise of research. That's not what this is. This is genuine research. But what it does is it gets you talking to real people who represents the audience you want to sell to. And from those conversations, we call it mining for gold because mm. gold comes out of it. 
And we use that, the data that comes from those conversation, we use to, to shape an offer. So it's like, find out in advance what people want to buy and what their objections would be, and then create an offer that addresses that. So that's like step one. Step two is like, once you've got, once you've got that offer in place, the next thing you need to do is go and validate it. So you need to get someone to pay you for that offer. Now we get people to do that first before they build it out. So for example, in a lot of the people I help might be selling an, an online course and they think, well, I've got to go and create the online course, but that could be weeks of work. And that's wasted work if you don't know for sure that people are going to pay for it. So our model is you get paid to create what you're going to create. And that might be just going and finding one beta client and you walk them through the process and you get there, you know, to see the result. It helps you fine tune what you might need to improve in your process or your delivery. Um, potentially you get a, a success story and a client testimonial out of it and then build from there. So it's very organic. I like it. You referenced a couple of times when you work with people. So you're working with people as a consultant to them. You're, you're dealing one-on-one -on -one with clients, or I guess also you speak at webinars or conferences. So your way of helping people is generally some type of direct consulting to them. Is that right? Yeah. So in my programs, my clients have access to me, mm -hmm. but, but I don't do one-to-one -one consulting because that would, that would be like quite expensive for the client and it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't really fit with my model. So this is what okay. I found works best for me. I make the distinction between when I'm helping a client, the difference between um, information and transformation. So when people come to work with me, there's a certain amount of things that they need to know. And so those building blocks, I can pre-record that. I can give people exercises and checklists. They do that. They, they do that on their own. But in terms of them really helping them to apply that to their situation or get out of their own way as they're applying it, that's where one-to-one -one coaching is invaluable. So my calls, I say I do do one-to-one -one coaching because I'm, I'm coaching one person at a time they'll be on a hot seat. And I've just come off a call actually where I coached three people over the course of an hour. So each person, it was about 20 minutes each. And the majority of people on that call weren't receiving coaching directly, but they were learning and getting value. And I've experimented with lots of different models, but for me, that's the one that gets the best and fastest results for my clients and also works for me. Hmm. Interesting. So I want to ask you now about your personal journey, because I think it plays into how this model evolved, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of referenced it at the beginning, but you had a personal journey where you were going down a different path and you suddenly said, I got to change something. Can you take us through that? Yeah. So as I said earlier, when I started out, my model was getting paid on a day rate. So I, I worked for companies like Sony and they'd say, well, we're going to book you for three days, come in and train our salespeople and they'd pay me. So it was very much trading time for money. And even with that, that model, way before I had kids, um, I could see the limits to it because literally my, my revenue was capped by how many hours I had to sell. Mm. And, you know, when demand was higher, if I didn't have more hours to sell, that was it. So I could only get my, you know, push my prices up so high. Um, and, and, and so that was the limit on that model. And so that got me thinking of how can I serve my clients and how can I add value and make a difference to them without physically having to be there in person? So that led me to create um, a product, which was simply a recording of one of my one day trainings. And we sold that as a separate product. And so that was what opened my eyes to like, ah, oh, okay, I can serve clients without always having to show up and be there in person. And not long after that, I, I got, um, I was connected with a mentor who told me about people who were selling information over the internet. Now this is back in 2000. So mm. it's not groundbreaking now, but it was then. 
And what I loved about the model she described to me was that people could come, pay with a credit card, they could download information instantly. And I, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this, this is the model I want. Because I, I got immediately that there would be freedom in that. There was no inventory to store. It could be so much of it could be automated. I wasn't going to need to hire a team. At that point in my own business, I had an office and I had staff in my office, and I was having to make about fifteen thousand, the equivalent of fifteen thousand dollars a month, just to pay everyone before anything happened. So it was like there were in that old model, there was a lot of there were a lot of expenses to be covered before I could get to profit. And it was a lot of, it was the freedom and it was the location freedom that really appealed to me about moving online. So that's what got me moving in that direction. But you still do some in-person now or is that completely gone? I do do some in-person, but not actually since COVID, not since we went into the first lockdown. And I was already starting to wean off my like live events, et cetera. So mm. all, all my interaction now is online with my clients through Zoom calls, through Zoom yep. meetings. Yep. Um, so I, I'm still connecting with people, sure. but yeah, I, I can do it from anywhere in the world. Yeah. And I should mention to everybody, your website is BernadetteDoyle.com and there they can find your book, which uh, is a free download in return for some, I guess, email address, as well as all sorts of information about your courses and, and, and learnings and so forth. So it's a great website and people should definitely check it out, BernadetteDoyle.com. Bernadette, can anybody who is in this space of a consultant or trainer or healer or therapist or any of these kinds of information businesses, can anybody succeed at client generation? You think by following your methodology, they can all succeed in generating new clients. It's nothing about a personal skill that might hold them back. I think anybody can learn to do this. And uh, in my experience, what holds people back is more about is more their thoughts about selling. I, I see what I do with clients as two things is that there's on the one hand that like getting clients is really quite straightforward. You need an offer, you need people to sell to, and you need a method for you know converting those people into clients and customers. That's that's straightforward. What makes it complicated is all the stories that us humans love to bring in our brains. Um, things things that I also had myself in when I started out, like selling is hard selling is pushy, don't want to be a pest, what will people think, they might not like it. So a lot of stories and those in my experience are things that stop people as they as they move forward. I just worked with a client today and she's got one which was she shared on a call that her belief was in order to make profit she needed to do things that she didn't want to do and I offered her that in my experience I've made the most profit by focusing on the things that I love to do and that that was a thought that was optional. She doesn't have to carry on believing that thought. So yes, I think anybody can do it. It's just, you also do have to have that willingness to not necessarily believe all the stories that you tell yourself. Agreed. Most people fear rejection and most of us think of selling as rejection, right? Because most of the yeah. time we're going to get a no. And so that's scary and uh, unappealing for people. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when I get back with you. We want to talk about some of these areas that people find difficult, like setting a price and hearing you know, what happens if the client says, I can't afford it. We'll be right back. This episode of Winning on Main Street is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end -end client experience platform that includes everything small business owners need to meet their customers' expectations. Thrive's award-winning and fully mobile interface delivers technology previously reserved for big business to the fingertips of small business owners nationwide. 
Thrive's built specifically for small business, but there's nothing small about what it can do. Thrive handles your entire customer experience, helping business owners reach more customers, stay organized, get paid faster, and generate online reviews, all from a single device or screen. To learn more about Thrive, visit winningonmainstreet.com and click on Get a Demo. When it comes to software to run your business, there's no comparison. Check out Thrive today. So we're back with Bernadette Doyle in Belfast. We were just talking before the break about selling and how many people, you know, fear rejection, those kinds of things. And one of the things, it's always a difficult moment is when the client says, well, what is the cost? And you tell them a price and they say, I can't afford it. And that to many people is like, oh my God, what do I do now? What do you do when people say they can't afford it? When people say they can't afford it, what you really need to understand is what are they really saying? Because um, often when you hear, I can't afford it, what a person is actually saying is, I don't value what you're offering me as much as I value keeping that money in my bank account. And so um, it's really important to explore what the person is actually saying. Now, the best way to do this is if you're not attached to the sale. So if as the, if as the salesperson or the consultant, you're coming up against this objection and you've already meant that you've already made this person or this sale equal next month's mortgage payment, then you're not going to be able to cleanly like facilitate them. And I, what I like to do in this situation is like really start to figure out what is, what, where do they stand? Is this something that they want, but they're actually telling themselves that their circumstances that they can't afford it? Or is it actually, they don't really want it, but they don't want to say no. Because, you know, we talked about, you know, the aversion to pe people have saying no. Often, not only do we have an aversion to hearing it, we have an aversion to saying it sometimes as well. So the, the, the point of this point is to create a safe enough space to keep the conversation moving and really explore what that means when the person says that without being attached to the outcome. Got it. Interesting. I've noticed so far, I don't think I heard you say the word product or service. You've been mm -hmm. talking all about client acquisition. Does it matter if my product or service are not good enough? Because if I don't get the client successfully, my first thought is I don't have a good enough product or I don't have a good enough service that the problem is me or the, you know, the content I have. Do you not see it that way? You see it's more about making sure you have the right tools in place to acquire clients? For most people, when they're starting out, the skill that they haven't developed is how to present what they're offering. So it's, it's very, um, and actually this is something that I, I get into with my clients because it's very easy for people to say, oh, well, they're not buying that. Um, this audience isn't buying, therefore the price is too high. It's like, no, it's not that the price is too high. You just haven't got as good as you need to get at explaining why this price is a steal. This price is a bargain. You haven't shown them the cost of their current situation. You haven't helped them see what's currently costing them to stay where they are versus where they could be with this solution. And the, the interesting thing I notice is that people hide from those conversations because there's such a fear of, oh, but I'm going to be seen as pushy. And it's, to me, it's not about pushing. It's not about every conversation leading to a sale. It's about helping people to make clean decisions and really be aware of what they're saying. Because so many of us, our conditioning is we get, we get our circumstances to make decisions for us. So, you know, you, you say, oh, well, can I afford it? Does the bank balance approve of this sale? But all of us can also think of an example 
of a time in our life where we wanted something and we didn't have the money. And then we went and found a way to get the money. And so I, I remind my, you know, I remind coaches of this. It's like, if you're coming up against this objection, it's not necessarily a true statement about their circumstances. It might be, but what you need to do is get in and really start to explore what's really going on. So I think the place to improve, you, you can actually improve the value of what you're offering by getting better at describing what it does and the, the problems it solves rather than having to go and improve the content, like replace a video with a different quality video. I noticed you uh, in your biography, you talk about uh, Richard Branson was one of the people in your, uh, in your journey who you you're in some mastermind groups and there's some pictures of you with him. Uh, he's a pretty well-known character. How'd you come across him and, and why was he interested in you? I, at the age of 16, when my peers were sort of putting up pictures of pop stars on their bedroom walls, yours truly was reading biographies of Richard Branson. I was fascinated by him at a young age. And um, so he was someone that was on my vision board, you know, that kind of like, I would like to meet, I'd like to meet Oprah too. I haven't met Oprah yet, but so, and um, he, so he was right up there. And I then was in a mastermind group that were organizing trips to his island. And it was a $40,000 investment. And I'm like, I've got to be there. And again, it was like, I didn't have the 40,000 sitting around in my sock drawer. You know, so I had to figure out, well, how do I, how do I make this happen? Um, but I've been on several um, trips with him and he's, he's really amazing. He's a listener much more than a talker. He's obviously inspiring to be around because of his own story. But what I have loved about spending time on his island is really getting to see up close and personal how he lives life. And he has really set up his life to support him and serve him. So he gets up in the morning and he's got a tennis coach full-time tennis coach he plays tennis he he exercises a lot throughout the day but he has totally set up his environment to serve him he works really hard too and I've become friends with his PA and so you know I, I get an insight into just like all the hours he puts in but not once have I ever seen him grumpy or kind of like well I had to drag my sorry ass out of bed this morning to do this stuff never resentful never grudging always, always very very gracious so like I, li I like learning from him. I've learned just from sort of observing him and being in his presence, as well as like his example and what he has to say. Mm, very interesting. So he's found a way to make his business work for his life as opposed to making his life the sort of slave to his business. Well, if you think about it, he lives on this private island, which has been blown down by a hurricane, but you know, it's a, mm -hmm. they've rebuilt it. And on um, his island, he gets to live there 12 months of the year. But if you look how he makes that possible, he and his family only have exclusive use of that island one month in August. Mm. And the rest of the year, they open up to have guests come and stay. So he does this a lot in his business where he looks to, work to what he wants and then he finds a way to offset those costs. Mm. And if his, I don't know if you know this, but the very first flight he did, he's famous for his airline now, but the mm. very first flight he did was... Um, he needed to get to the Virgin Islands and he had to charter a plane. So he was in an airport, in Puerto Rico airport, I think it was, and he got aboard. So he chartered the plane and he was selling tickets. And I think that's where the phrase Virgin Airlines came from because they were like, it was the first time that they were doing it. But it, it's, I think that's fascinating to observe from him is his thinking when he wants to do something, he finds a way to achieve it with, without him having to put in his own money. He finds a creative way but the, also the great thing about it is that it adds value for everyone. It's not like he's just like passing off 
um, the bill to you know someone else. It's like there's an exchange of value. I asked him once about Necker Island because it's so beautiful there, and they've done all sorts of things like they um, ecological things that they've done in terms of their own water system, etc. Now, and I said once, you know, when you first came here, did you ever think that it would be like it is today? And he, he, his answer is very telling. He said, we always knew it would be too good to keep to ourselves. <laughs> so his thing is, is very much about sharing and that everybody benefits. And he's found a way that he benefits by helping other people benefit. It's a great philosophy to have for making money. Yeah, that's great. I want to ask you, we uh, only have a few minutes left about uh, technology. Uh, we're, we're at Thrive as a technology company. We build a CRM for small businesses. Do you use technology? And what do you think is... Are, are some of the keys to using technology for the clients you have, like in terms of building their business? Is it important? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, the very first piece of software that I had in my business was how do I keep track of the emails and email addresses? Because you need to be able to contact people. And I'm, I'm really surprised even now when I, I go into what might be quite a mature business and they haven't got that in place, like a solid system for tracking, you know, just even keeping a track of all the people that have inquired them. Then when you add in, like, I love anything that you can automate. So if you can add in automation, and uh, you know, and things like the prompts to know when to contact the, you know, the, the right person at the right time that's invaluable because that's what really good selling is. It's about making the right offer to the right person at the right time. So software like yours that can help people do that, like I think that those are just um, essential things to go uh, to, to start with. Thrive is really about what you said is, is automating that contact process and of course maintaining a very up-to-date database. But something that people often tell me they find really useful is having a history of all their conversations with their clients. Mm. So many people, have trouble staying organized and within thrive all of my conversations with the customer are captured and so i can and including my staff so i can see what was said when it was said and it's all in one profile for each client and then people find that very valuable because otherwise it's like on sticky notes on a refrigerator door and uh you know you just get uh, you know confused so um i i totally uh i totally get that uh what's next for you where where, where is your business going now that hopefully we're we're sort of seeing the end of covid what what do you foresee for the rest of 21 so the, i'm focused on one main program right now which is called get clients make money and um my vision for that i'm currently the lead coach in that program which i love to do and i'm not going to be giving that up anytime soon but i want to add more coaches into that program mm. so that we can scale so we can reach more people in more time zones around the world so my my vision is very much on that is, is on filling that program improving that program and delivering incredible results for our clients in that program. That's where I'm focused. That's great. You know, I think just as we close out, maybe you can give me one success story of one of your clients who might be inspiring for people, somebody who you help build them up and, and grow their business. Anybody in particular come to mind? I know you have some success stories on I your can, website. I can think of lots, but the one, the one who does come to mind is um, a lady called Nikki. And the reason she comes to mind, when she started working with me, she was a consultant. And I think she was making about $200,000 a year. So by many people's accounts, she had a successful business, but um, not by her. In fact, she spent her first day with me. She was in tears a lot of the time because her relationship was at breaking point. She was working all the hours, having to travel a lot away from home. And 
you know, the only way, if anything, she was just keeping moving really fast just to stay in the same place. And what we did was re-engineer her business. And she had, she was making a lot of assumptions about what she needed to do to serve her clients. And I helped her move past those and, and find a new way. And she re-engineered her business. And so um, she was able to be at home much more. Mm. And in her case, what that meant was her personal relationship went from her partner saying, like, we're on, we're, if you don't fix this, we're over. Um, I smile because they're now parents and they've got a beautiful um, son and daughter. And I take a lot of pride in that. And it, and <laughs> I mean, obviously they made the babies. I wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't there in the hospital or any other stage of the uh, that journey. Um, but it's like, I think this is why I do what I do. It's not about, um, yes, it's get clients, make money, but it's like, it's about what that enables you to do. And in her case, it enabled her to stay in a relationship that deep down she did want to be in and start a family. I've had other clients where they've moved countries or they've been able to, you know, buy their dream home. Or, uh, I've got another client right now who's, who's literally moving to Portugal from Denmark. And, and I think that's, that's what this is about. It's about finding a way to share your gifts with the world and make a difference in the world and also get rewarded at the same time. And there's lots of ways to receive that reward, but that's the one that comes to mind right now. Well, that's, that's a, a great story and a fantastic message. I can't think of a better way to, uh, to finish this. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bernadette, today. I thank know you're you. a busy, uh, you got a busy schedule, but uh, thanks for making time. The book is uh, Get Clients, Make Money. Uh, the website is BernadetteDoyle.com spelled the usual way uh, and uh, as you've heard Bernadette is just a font of knowledge about it improve your consulting business your training business any kind of business where you're sharing information with people so definitely check her out thanks again for joining us today Bernadette thank you and if you enjoyed this podcast please tell a friend or share it with a colleague and give us a five-star review would really appreciate that until next week make it a great week